Welcome to SADCAST, the podcast for working creatives. This is episode 45. I'm your host, Pamela Runis, creative director and co-publisher of the physical magazine SADMAG. So, first things first, let me remind you that if you love cheese, and I know that you do, you have to come to our Cheese Issue launch party. It's May 27th at 8 p.m. at Make, which is at Main and 7th. It's free, and there will be cheese of all kinds, vegan included, plus cheesy art, cheesy music, drinks, not cheesy drinks, but just regular drinks, um, plus uh, the new issue. So I hope to see you there. Now, this past week, I went to a special screening of Stefan Sagmeister's new documentary, The Happy Film. You might have seen his exhibit, All About Happiness at the MOV, a couple years ago, which had components of the film in it that wasn't quite finished. Um, It was really interesting to have this intimate look at such a famous designer. In the film, he wanted to see if he could control or design his own happiness, so he conducted three experiments lasting three months each, the first being meditation, the second being cognitive therapy, and the third was drugs, specifically Lexapro, and it honestly seemed like a commercial for Lexapro, and then later he does an ayahuasca ceremony. He basically was a yard sale of emotions throughout the whole thing, and I won't spoil it for you, but he and Jessica Walsh, his business partner, make some of the coolest, most elaborate interstitial graphics you've ever seen. And then, surprise, Stefan employs the least imaginative way to propose to someone possible. So it was uh, full of surprises, really interesting, I recommend it. Uh, and there was a Q&A with Stefan after the movie, and someone asked him if he took away any tips about happiness that weren't in the film. He said one thing that has been useful was to write Three things down that worked that day before bed. It's supposed to help with the negative thinking patterns that especially plague people before they're trying to fall asleep. Um, I actually think I should start doing this because I have trouble sleeping, thinking about all those things I should have done, need to do, etc. So I'll let you know how it goes. In the meantime, I have a super cool guest on today. You might recognize his voice from CBC's This Is That. Pat Kelly came in to chat about comedy and his work. He's going to be speaking at the upcoming Pecha Kucha June 8th, so catch him there if it isn't already sold out. Uh, so yeah, let's have a listen as we start off with musings on Hey Y'all's alcohol content, as you do. I know that people love these. And don't you? How do you feel about it? I never <laughs> get... question. I never uh, really get these, but having one sip of it, I'm like, I should get these. They're very drinkable. They are. And scarily From so. I hear people get in trouble with these. Big time. It's like you're drinking nothing and then all of a sudden you're hammered. Yeah. And I, I, I actually overheard somebody at a restaurant, a brunch spot uh, this weekend mm. saying, those hey y'alls, oh man, they'll sneak up on you. They will. Yeah. They fucking will. Okay, good. It is recording. Is I always good? have to look like once just to make sure. Good level. I don't know. <laughs> if, it doesn't, like it? if it doesn't change too much. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Okay. If you're not on those side green parts, if it's not going red. Okay. Red. You want it to go red? No, you don't want it to go red. Red is tech. Yeah. Red bad. is too much. Okay. We're perfect. Great. I know what I'm doing. Okay. Boom. Okay. So, uh, 
you are probably the most famous person I've had on the podcast. <laughs> it's very exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're of uh, this is that fame mm-hmm. and other things, but sure. mostly that. This is that. Um, are you? Is it still going? I was trying to like figure out what's happening because it's not on the air now. Or you guys just do like a batch of recordings and then. Yeah, we do. do we do like a batch of them. Um, so basically, like we're on the radio, CBC Radio, mm-hmm. from uh, like September until Christmas. Okay. And then CBC finds a way to rerun us, kind of in the summer. Right. But then we're also like shouldering the this is that season with creating videos now. I know. I saw. Yeah. Very exciting. So we've been doing that. Uh, pretty much that kind of like starts as soon as like, you know, after the new year when we're off the air. So our whole thing has always been to try to like convince CBC to give it this sense. And I guess it's kind of works is that it's always just around. Mm -hmm. But the truth is we're just like on the radio for like three months. It's so genius. Yeah. But then you are like still making content like for the videos and Mm -hmm. stuff. So there's still work to be done, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, there's tons. Yeah. Yeah. The videos are a cool addition. I really like the TED Talk parody one, Mm -hmm. which has like almost like two million views. Yeah. And that one was like totally surprising that that happened you know really yeah we when we filmed that and i'm i'm kind of like i love doing the radio show and i love performing on the radio show but i i kind of have like very little interest now of like being on camera or Mm. and we had kind of like joked around on the radio show with this idea of like a motivational guy and blah 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 and for whatever reason i sort of found the the character yeah and so when we said like, well, maybe we should do like a meta TED talk. I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. But like reluctantly. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, we did it. And then the whole time I was like, we edited the video and I was like, ah, it's all right. And then we were all kind of like, yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty good. But for whatever reason, it just like got into the it's ether. Ted and, is like huge and everywhere. Yeah. So you're going to parody something that everyone sort of looks up to i mean it's sure and i think we dissected it in a way that it's like it was a relief to people because it was like kind of what like i've never been totally in earnest into talks Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it wasn't really for me but you we what we discovered by doing that was that there's this huge community of people that are into talks Mm -hmm. but they were like frustrated about them and like cynical about them yeah yeah and they started to see these patterns and whatever it was like we just came along at the right time and it was this like release yeah of like identifying these tropes and these patterns it will they have coaches right those ted talk people yeah and and i i mean my from like a comedian uh, comedian's like point of view my like sort of satirical kind of slant on the whole thing was like when does this stop? Like, what? Why have we created this culture where everybody's like a expert on something? Yeah. Like, and what? Like, so many conferences and like everybody's like trying to aspire to to do a talk, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. it's like we're not all worth hearing from. Like, we're really not. You know? <laughs> Ironically, you are doing a talk at Petra. I know. Like, I know. Really I know. And and yeah. and trust me, it's like there, there's a part of me that is like, well. Am I really worth hearing from? Well, obviously, you know? like two million people think 
uh, but it was a comedy ideas. sketch. It was a comedy sketch. Like well, you know, you could make Pecha Kucha whatever you want. I exactly. Saw, um, uh, Dave uh, Clark. What is it? Oh, uh, um, you know. Dave Shumka and, uh, and Graham, Graham Clark. Clark. Yes, yeah. sorry, inverting their names. I saw them do one, mm-hmm. and they just made it a joke. Yeah. So you could. At the same time, I don't want to like, you know, make a joke out of it. I actually do. Uh, I, I have an interest in telling my. So you're not going to do parody Pachacucha? No, I'm not going to parody Pachacucha, <laughs> but I, I am going to want to tell my story, which is. Mm-hmm. Um, difficult for me because it's like you don't want to like I don't know it's just not in my nature to be sort of like bombastic and like mm. and, and present this air to people that it's like I know what's going on because right. I think there's too much of that like I honestly do think that it's like it's created this we've created this kind of like cycle where mm. people mm-hmm. think that in order to succeed they have to be like a an expert on something Mm -hmm. and it's like i i by no means think i'm an expert on anything um and you don't usually like speak to people like in your own voice either exactly that's probably got to be difficult yeah and um yeah it's it is it's true it's 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 like it's it's a and i think a lot of comedians will tell you that that it's uh it's hard for them to necessarily wrap their heads around being earnest like you know graham and dave are Mm -hmm. a perfect example they have their their podcast stop podcasting yourself Mm -hmm. which they're very comfortable doing and then this year they did another one called our debut album oh yeah i haven't heard it yet it's awesome and it's the two of them trying to create music but Mm -hmm. the their only rule was that they can't be joke songs so they're not like trying to create like you know comedy songs they're trying to There's some really great, great songs. And they have guests, other local guests on to like help them. But Graham, more so than Dave, I think, throughout the the process, like he listened to some episodes and he has a real hard time being like, so I'm seriously supposed to write a lyric about how I feel, you know, or whatever. And that's kind of how I think a lot of comedians treat sort of talking about what they do. Mm. Is and, And I remember getting some advice from like a mentor of mine a pretty famous guy dave thomas who was bob and doug mckenzie Mm -hmm. and he was like the second you start talking about comedy in earnest it's dead and so (laughs) i was like tell that to mark maron (laughs) yeah i know right which i'm not a fan of like i don't i don't i don't enjoy those kind of chats because i think that part of the job is to i don't know to to Keep the facade up. Keep it. It's well, but it's not a facade. It's the job. It's the. It's yeah. the what you're. It's what you want to yeah. do. And it doesn't mean that you're insincere. But it, yeah. I, I don't know necessarily where the. It's just not my nature to want to blend those two worlds. Mm, but enough. on the flip side, you have comedians sometimes create the most like uh, pathos-ridden stuff if they do decide like look Mm -hmm. at someone like robin williams yeah for crying out loud like he was one of the funniest guys on the planet and then when he wanted to be earnest and dramatic it was like gut-wrenching and then his the way he went out was like whatever that's a whole other thing (sighs) but you know what i mean like you're really uh bringing this podcast out um (laughs) just kidding but it's but you know what i mean It's, it's 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 i think it's difficult for some comedians to kind of come clean with what they're actually like 
mm. their take is on it because you feel like that uh, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. That's the point. They, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, because we're kind of conditioned also too to like keep the, keep the attention, keep the... Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Just the shtick of a good comedian is to like hold them in the palm of your hand. Mm. And, but... There's there's a couple people like Charlie Demir is another local yep. comedian. He he does a good job of kind of heading yeah. into yeah. As long as you like kind of like kind of bring it down to a nosedive and then like bring it back up yeah. at the last second. Yeah. And it's like yeah, it's relatable. You actually laugh more because it it feels more tr- real, I guess. Yeah. 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 What other uh, comedians do you like in the city or like Canadian comedy in general? It's funny. I mean, I, I think comedy in Canada and in Vancouver is just like, is in a great place. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot to do with the the internet has helped comedy. In it's weird. In a weird way, it's kind of like done a disservice to music, mm, but to right. comedy, it's been great because it's uh, it's exposed. Uh, comedians to larger audiences and you know the the self-starting kind of like self-promotion of comedy is is the internet's totally helped people yeah and uh whether they be stand-ups or writers or they make memes or they you know Mm -hmm. do some stupid blog or whatever it's like the 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 currency of funny has never been more like sought after Mm -hmm. and twitter you know people Mm -hmm. Twitter, following though, people but then oh god it feels like people like throw away their jokes on twitter in a way they do and they don't i mean i here's a funny story i remember being at like a um it was the it's now defunct but it was the canadian comedy awards and i was like it was right in the middle of like this was like 10 years ago and i was like working on a web series and i was totally jacked up on this new medium i was like this is awesome this is what we should all do mm-hmm. and there was this old time kind of comedian and by old time he wasn't that old but he was like kind of like a touring you know kind of stand-up comic who Lifer. drank rye and smoked cigs and went yeah. to strip clubs and shit yeah and he i was like twitter man it's so funny like so there's so many guys just like and and girls like killing it on Twitter, like comedians, and he's like, why the fuck would I give it away for free? And I'm like, I think you're making a mistake if you're blindly saying Mm. you're not going to develop a voice on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, there is like comedians now who can come to Vancouver or tour and they're hugely successful on Twitter and people know who they are and they'll sell out a theater. True, so so it's not giving it away for free. It's just it's if, if it's what you do, mm-hmm. you're just constantly doing it, and you're, you know, there's there's nothing better than like just scrolling through your Twitter and somebody like a really talented comedian mm-hmm. writes something prolific or hilarious. It's just like brightens your day, and yeah. I think it's it's also comedians are inherently lazy. <laughs> and like with their Perfect. with their with their work ethic as far as writing, you know, or they're very private too. So Twitter has for, forced people to constantly be outputting mm-hmm. and fail or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like 
they don't get the retweets they want, whatever. They're like, but oh. then it's gone, so it's kind of nice. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it's like the impact is nil. Yeah. Yeah. But if nothing else, it makes you flex your your muscle constantly. I, I didn't and check. Are you on on Twitter? Yeah, I'm not very good at it, and I, and I actually don't really like. I've never cared about yeah follower followership. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Whatever. I do it to just please me. Right. And I yeah. I try. You have other outlets that yes, are yes. more important. Well, they're not more important. They're just like, it's just, I, I recognize that it's not like, I'm not going to become a Twitter star, but I like doing it every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think there's certain people, and this is, goes for any social media, there's certain people that are are aware or or their motivation is to like broadcast to a large and this mm. is in their mind. Mm, mm-hmm. This is yeah. this is their mind is thinking this. Yeah. I have always treated social media like I'm broadcasting it to about 30 people including my family and maybe some friends I went to high school with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. So that's that's all I've ever done. Okay, I'm going to go read it with that in mind. <laughs> with that with that. Yeah. Yeah, in mind. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um. So you also have like a company mm-hmm. where you create like content for other people. Yeah. Correct. Are you working on anything like of note recently? Well, yeah, we have some very. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's like we've done a lot of little advertising kind of stuff, and and that's fulfilling in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's you and like um, and Chris Kelly, and who's a producer producer of this is that yeah, yeah. that's right and uh, same last name not, not really brothers. not brothers yeah yeah and um, yeah so our main things in the next couple months anyway are we've been doing um, we're doing like a family friendly podcast so it's kind of mm-hmm. taking like um, and it's going to be on CBC this summer cool. and it's sort of taking like a lot of the stuff we do on this is that but it's for like, I would say families where the kids are like maybe twelve and up. That's fun. Yeah. Was that challenging coming up with content? That was not really. Content? I mean, because it really the the whole idea stemmed from um, us doing these live this is that shows, and and we were kind of like really keyed into this pretty early on doing these shows where there's lots of families, and like moms and dads and the kids would come up to us after the show. Hmm. and be like we love listening to you guys we download everything and we when we go into the Cute. cabin or we're camping or whatever yeah and the kids would be really nervous and want us to like sign their t-shirts and stuff and you're like there's something like <laughs> i don't know what this says about the sophistication of our comedy but there's something like kids love the i think kids really do pick up on satire yeah like i mean it's clear like we all grew up with the simpsons yeah. We didn't get all the jokes, but we knew there was jokes there. Yeah. But we still laughed at the funny voices or when Bart would fart or whatever. You I know? know. It's so like it's so subtle. I, I'm surprised that kids yeah. would like this is that. They do, though. Yeah. And they, they like it because they also, once they know it's, it's a joke. essentially two guys doing all the voices, too. They're like, yeah. this is these are grown-ups yeah. make-believing yeah. and having fun. Oh, I want to talk about the voices, actually, because mm. you get them like so right. Like, mm-hmm. they're the thing that, like, most convinces you that you're, mm-hmm. like, listening to a real CBC thing. I don't know. I was like, oh, that is what people sound like. Like, how do you get that? Are you, like, 
paying attention when you hear someone with a like voice and you're like, oh, I got to like lock that in the memory or. Yeah, it's it's for both Peter and I, Peter Oldring, who does the other acting on it. He uh, he and I have been like friends for 20 years and we like started improvising together as teenagers. And, you know, our attraction to comedy has always been like mimicry. But not in the sense of like, we're not impersonators. So it's like, I can't do like Michael Jackson's voice or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But we would just, I don't know, it's observational kind of mimicry. And he and I just connected over this, like in not a like a very studious way, but we would just go, you know, for lunch or something into a mall food court. And we'd overhear like some woman complaining about her order. And both of us would just like find such pleasure in, in... <laughs> hearing something like that yeah and and so the same applied to cbc radio i mean it's just a place where you're hearing voices like that Mm -hmm. especially when it's an interactive show with like a call-in thing or whatever Mm -hmm. and so it was really just based off of mimicry and it's like i had cbc on my house like yeah since i was three years old or whatever you got the vibe yeah the vibe is the vibe is there we know exactly what the vibe is and then you're just kind of picking up on yeah what regular people like it you know yeah it could just be as simple as being in the lineup at tim hortons and you're hearing a guy behind you like on his cell phone complaining to his boss or something and it's like those little things are like what we're attracted to like Mm. the minutiae of just everyday people Mm-hmm. kind of blowing things out of proportion because it's like <laughs> yeah. fascinating and I think my family was like that too like I mean I can think of like summer road trips where we would be all in a restaurant or something and we wouldn't talk because we're listening. we're listening <laughs> to some drama that's you know? funny yeah that's funny and so that's like ba- basically the basis of Pete and I's relationship yeah. is just like everyday drama out in the world we like but not yours <laughs> but not ours no never any drama for us yeah well how is it i mean you guys have been friends for a long time mm-hmm. like do you find it hard to hang out like outside of working or do you even still do that or oh yeah like yeah. i mean just closest to friends and and yeah. it's you know the truth is it's like It wasn't even a decision. It was just naturally the way it was. It was like conflict-free. That's so nice. And there was was, um, times where maybe, you know, you're frustrated or you... But then at the end of the day, you're like, this is... Like, I'm so lucky to have crossed paths with somebody that is, like, so in sync collaboratively with me. It's like, there's no need to, like get frustrated or argumentative about anything because it's like truthfully it's like the collaboration will lead you somewhere Mm -hmm. better and you both grew up in calgary yeah and then did you come in here together no no not at all so pete lives in los angeles actually and so we um we uh both grew up in calgary and then spent a greater part of like a decade in toronto Oh. And did Second City and all that kind of stuff. And Look at my research skills. Well, no, no. I mean, it's... Um, and and then I, yeah, moved out to Vancouver about seven years ago. And around that time, Pete moved to Los Angeles. Hmm. 
because uh, he's still very much, you know, he's much more of a, a proactive yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah. And Do you consider yourself an actor still? No, not really. No, no. truthfully not. It's like more of a writer and yeah. uh, producer type. And yeah. I like kind of like creating the world in which things. Mm-hmm. But if there's ever... Like that's what's great about the show and audio in general is that you don't... Like I don't, you don't have to be seen. Yeah, that is. So nice. I kind of get my fix, make believing with my friends doing this is that. Like yeah. honestly, that's enough yeah. to like yeah. go joke around in a park and pretend we're like <laughs> on a fishing boat in Newfoundland. Like that's yeah good enough. So you guys but, improvise it though. Yeah. So wh- how much like writing is it? Just like an outline before? Pretty much. Like it's um. You know, it's kind of, it's over the years, it's been like kind of exhausting for us to create all the premises as ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we, we do use a writer in, out of Toronto mm-hmm. named Mike Belazzo. Hmm. And he and I and Peter and Chris will kind of like all just pitch these one sentence sort of premises. So it's like, you know. Lady at Tim Hortons. Yeah. Lady at Tim Hortons whatever. complaining or, yeah. Um uh or like dogs in montreal dog parks now need to speak both languages and that's new law let's do that interview (laughs) so like you immediately kind of know you're like that's one that's one that's one that's one that one and you kind of pick this list of premises and then Mm -hmm. you write up like basically like what sounds like a cbc introduction Mm -hmm. and then we'll go into the studio and improvise the interview like maybe twice Mm -hmm. And, and do you keep them all? Like, do you like do you do more than you need, and just kind of pick the best ones, or or you just know you're like it's not working. You like it's not working, not working. And then it's like, yeah, that's it. Let's just do it one more for safety, and then you can kind of edit together like yeah. a good enough thing. And then we do these like documentaries, and the documentaries are like the more fun because it's like you're basically pretending to do like a This American Life story, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and those are easier to put together than the yeah yeah. yeah. but it's all yeah it's all just based off this idea of like a very believable premise yeah like we we, we, you know right away what's like this is that story because you yeah if it's like aliens have come to vancouver you're like no 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 no. but then yeah you get so much like anger (laughs) or like whatever commentary Mm -hmm. which is like half the fun do you like get way more than you share? Like you must. The feedback? Yeah, the feedback. Oh, yeah, there's hours every week. Like Chris How do you who goes through it? Chris our producer does. <sighs> Bless his heart. And he takes <laughs> like uh yeah, it'll be like Monday morning from like 8:30 in the morning till 10 and he just sits in a oh little booth God. and listens to Does he ever just like go like we got enough and else? Yeah, yeah, more. but he just he doesn't I would do that, right? Yeah. Like I would be like we got enough. He's he's a purist and he's like there might be something there might be some gold in there something gold in there <laughs> mm, and enough. he listens to like crazy people too like yeah who leave like seven minute messages no yeah <laughs> be yeah. like next yeah <laughs> oh that's so but good. it's um yeah we thought that part of the show would just go away like we were like after the first year we were like okay, that everyone's we're... gonna know but they yeah, don't yeah. they stumble yeah. upon it yeah well it's the medium right it's like people yeah. get into their car and they're like 
driving their kids to soccer and they hear this thing and then they call and react. We get a lot of calls too of people who are like, I called five minutes ago. I now know what I'm listening to. (laughs) It's like, too bad. Got your other message. We got you. We got you outraged over something ridiculous. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's how I remember hearing it for the first time. I'm like, this can't be real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No. Um, But you also wrote a book. Mm -hmm. How exciting. Yeah. The the book was exciting. And it was also like very... um, Interesting to, to learn. A, no. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, we gave very little thought to that book. And, and I I hope that people who have spent $18 on it or whatever have enjoyed it. But it was really, the timeline to do it was really tight. And it was just kind of like hmm. a whim for us. Hmm. Like, let's just see like, if we can do that. Did someone say, like, you like we'd like you to write a book? No, or, it's no? like it was essentially self-published. And oh. it was like... We, um, so we did all these live shows last year and we made some t-shirts and stuff and, and we noticed like, but it was also cause we were touring Canada in the dead of winter. Nobody wanted to buy a t-shirt and I was like, made a hoodie. I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> too expensive though. Mm. Too bulky. Toque. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mittens. There you go. Like Olympic mitts. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were. Afterwards, I was like, CBC audiences, they just want to buy a book. They just want to buy a book. We should write a Good book. Good call. Good call. So I started like sniffing around and I was like, how do you make a book? Like, blah, blah, blah. And we sort of found these folks who were really great to like self-publish a book. And they were like, it's doable. Like, I was like, we need it out for Christmas because this is that stuff people buy for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, they're like, well, it's doable. But you have to write it in a month. <laughs> so, so we were like, <laughs> oh, no. Because of all these timelines, getting it to the publisher, printer, editor, getting it all into the stores all over the country. And so I was like, okay, we can do it. We can do it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we just sequestered ourselves for two and a half weeks. Oh, my God. And wrote the book. And you were looking. But it it was fun because it was like, we're not writing a novel here. We're not creating... Yeah. You know, this grand story or anything. We were using the template of a travel guide and just like much like the show, just kind of mimicking and parodying. Mm-hmm. Have you been all over Canada? Like, mm-hmm. was it so it was like easy enough to like talk about that? Actually, stuff? made it, it more genuine. You know, yeah. I think I would have, I, I don't think we would have done it that way had we not at least had a frame of reference for every place. Yeah. Yeah. I would have felt like it's such an asshole if I'd be like, <laughs> well, oh, I've never like- been to uh, anywhere, but let's just make fun of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. So there was at least enough to kind of yeah, awesome. feel like ownership over it. Uh, do we need to wrap it up soon? If you, whatever. This part will never be edited out. Well, I can edit this part out. No. I mean, no, don't keep it in. Is this engaging to you, listener? <laughs> Hello? Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. What else you got to say? You got um, anything to plug? Other than Pachacucha, which I will talk about. Oh, you're going to do that after? I'll do it like before. Right. Like, He's see him at coming Pachu- up. Yeah. Yeah. Go there. Um, no, nothing else to plug. Well, yeah, no. Hey, what? What do you got? Well, we're doing another show, which I'm very excited about, which is, um, but maybe it's too soon. This is, We're doing another podcast, but, um. Oh. 
It's for an American podcast network called Panoply. Oh, yeah. No, the Panoply Network. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's too soon. Okay. Too soon. Teaser. <laughs> Teaser. Nice. That's coming. All right. Um, but yeah, the videos, this is that videos. We're doing a whole new batch and they're coming out in June 1st. Oh, I'm excited. That wood one, I mean, I thought like it was like more recent, but then I looked and I was like, oh God, this has been That's a around. couple of years ago. I know, but yeah. it's so popular. Mm. Good one. That's what we kind of... I don't think consciously uh, did this, but sort of the nature of our approach to some of these things is thinking about them as like not of the time. Just like make something that can stick around for a while. Yeah, it's true. Because I think so much stuff is just like reactive, topical comedy. And it's like we really like, especially with that video stuff, like we go through kind of our like dearth of premises and we're like, what's there that one that one could be yeah or some like for because they're like so visual and yeah. we've already thought about them for radio but you need the visual yeah exactly yeah. or it's like just classic comedy s- sketch stuff like you know if you think about some of that uh really good stuff that you grew up with whether it be like monty python or kids in the hall or mm-hmm. sctv or old saturday night live or whatever it is or mm-hmm. mr show it's like the good parts of those shows can live forever. Yeah. Like I guarantee there's like a 12-year-old kid right now watching the best parts of Kids in the Hall and being like, oh, that's so. so funny. I hope so. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. but that's kind of yeah. what you strive for. Well, maybe they're watching your videos. C- well, hopefully. But they like are. the ones that they last, are. you know? Yeah. But the, yeah, comedy doesn't age well if it's like two of a time mm, that's true that'd be my advice to any younger oh, comedians yeah. like any other advice no it's just like i mean i just don't I, I just the universal nature of comedy is what you should keep in the back of your mind hmm. all right and that's what i mean about our like pete and i's relationship to tie it back in why there's never been any sort of conflict is like we kind of i think knew right away that it was like let's be in this for the long haul rather than Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. doing stuff that's like because we're 26 and we're living in toronto and it needs to be this right now it's like right no just buy into what we do and it'll last longer you're so lucky to have found each other i know (laughs) We wanted to, we, we said this like, I don't know, drunkenly to each other like 10 years ago. We were like, both of us have to live till we're like 70 because then we can be those new like old guys in movies. Like, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> like the Morgan Freeman. Like the, the grumpier old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, Jack Lemon and um, Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau. Yeah. We will be like those guys. Oh, that's cute. What a nice I was like, we'll never have to save for our retirement because we'll get paid to be old men. Yes. Perfect. It's a great job. Oh, I can't wait for it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for talking with me. Thanks for having me. And am I supposed to cry or anything? You could. Sad? One tear. S-A-D. There you go. And now I have a special song to share with you. My husband's band, Mode Modern, just released a new track after years of inactivity. And it's all about yours truly. So that's actually the name of the song. But it's actually 
true also because after years of pestering him to write a song for me, he did it and it's so lovely. So here's Yours Truly by Mode Modern. <laughs> 